All right, let's turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. Isaiah, chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 16. Read through verse 20. Isaiah, chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. Isaiah 1, verse 16. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Our text this morning comes from verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I beg you again today for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Please, Lord, as I preach, may your word go forth in power. Deal with hearts. Convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Turn hearts to you, I pray today. God, do a great work for your glory. Move upon us, for I beg it in Jesus' name. Amen. Supposedly, it was P.T. Barnum, the circus man, who said there's a fool born every minute. And we see that that seems to still be taking place. One of the great problems that people have always had is they don't think. It seems like we have a special epidemic of people not thinking anymore. But, and scam artists, by the way, they count on that. They count on people not thinking. There was, uh, there was a story circulated years ago that Napoleon, the emperor, was uh, viewing his troops. And as he went down the line, he saw one of his soldiers. He had a, a legion of honor on his chest and he was missing one arm. And so he asked the soldier, he said, where did you lose your arm? He said, Austerlitz, sir. And he said, what did you receive for that? And he said, I received this legion of honor. Napoleon said to him, he said, you look like the kind of soldier that would be willing to lose both arms for your emperor. To which he supposedly replied, well, then what would I receive? And Napoleon said, a double legion. And with that, the story goes, he drew his sword out and cut off his other arm. (laughs) And that story was spread for years until somebody finally asked the question, how? (laughs) Think about it, but come up with an answer soon, please. (laughs) Obviously, today, scams today are not all done by telemarketers. Some of them are done by vaccinators. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, it's done in schools today with the stupidity of evolution or climate change, which is funny because it's always been changing, always been changing throughout all of history, and somehow we we think that we can stop it. Uh, But today, scams abound. It's amazing how some people think when it comes to their material possessions, but don't ever bother to think about truth concerning their eternal souls, where they're going to spend eternity. 
It was R.A. Torrey, the evangelist, who preached in the latter part of the 1800s and first part of the 1900s. He said, if I can get a man to think, I can get him saved. I think we can go farther than that if we can get a person to think. Not only can we see people saved, but if we can get Christians to think, they'll get right with God. And they will decide that really the life that's best worth living is a life that is lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Isaiah the prophet has come along in the passage that we read. This is just the very beginning of a 66-chapter book. And God had called him to go to the children of Israel. They had been in sin. You remember God gave them a land that was for them. But it wasn't just for them. It was given to them with a purpose. And that purpose was they were to worship the God of heaven, the only God, the God of the Bible. They were to worship him in that land that he gave them. They've been in the land by the time you get to the book of Isaiah for almost uh, 300 to 400 years. And he is preaching to these people that they needed to get right with God. He said, if you do right, basically he's telling them in verse 17, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. He says in verse 19, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Even though they had done wrong, God offered them forgiveness. And yet he said in the very next verse, like he had said many times in the scripture, but if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. In the middle of that, he says, come now, let us reason together. Think about it for a moment. If you do well, it'll be okay. It's just like back in the garden in Genesis chapter 4. Here Cain had sinned. He had brought the wrong kind of sacrifice. And God says to him, doest thou well to be angry? He says, if you do well, sin, uh, if you do well, It'll be all right, but if not, sin lieth at the door. It was a simple choice. Just think, everything could be okay. But we have multitudes of people all around this world who never think of the spiritual consequences of disobeying the God of the Bible. Paul, in the New Testament, constantly reasoned with people. And if you get them to think, they can come to some proper conclusions. In Acts 17 and verse 2, The Bible says, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them three days, uh, three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the scriptures. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 4, it says, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Then in chapter 18 and verse 19, it says, and he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, it says, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. So here's a man who heard the word of God. He heard very clear reasoning from the word of God and said to Paul, you go back to where you were at. I'll listen to you again later on. But as far as we know from the scripture, he never did and he didn't get saved because you see, he just didn't want to think. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people like that today. So I want to reason with you this morning about two things, but don't get excited. That's not going to make it shorter. 
First of all, I want to reason together about getting saved. Let's look at the spiritual facts. This is just the way it is. Every man is a sinner by nature. Uh, some people who've not trusted Christ as Savior think that church people think that they're better than everybody else. Now, let me tell you, of course, there's a difference between saved church people and lost church people. Saved church people are people who came to the realization that they were lost and undone and on their way to hell and deservedly so and decided that Christ was their only hope to get to heaven and they simply took Christ as their Savior. Now, you've got lost church people who just think they're good when we're not. For the Bible says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 51 and verse 5. In Romans 3, 22 and 23, he declares, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a person on this planet who hasn't sinned. Everyone has sinned. Romans 5, 12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. In that verse, we learn two things. We're sinners by nature, number one, and we are sinners by choice, number two. We are sinners. I don't care who you are today, you're a sinner. You have done wrong, you've sinned against the God of heaven. And number two, there is absolutely no good thing that you can do to get yourself to heaven. Romans 8, 8, the Bible declares, for they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We're sinners. In Isaiah 64 and verse 6, he says, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. In Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Nobody's going to heaven because they deserve to go to heaven, for nobody deserves to go to heaven. Nobody does. Absolutely nobody. That's why he says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the first thing we learn, every man's a sinner by nature, and secondly, there is no good thing that we can do to get ourselves to heaven. And what we deserve is hell. For the Bible says the wages of sin is death. In Revelation 20, 14 and 15, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Before I became a Christian, before I trusted Christ, I used to think like a lot of people that I was a pretty good guy. That maybe one day when I stood before God, I mean, I didn't know the Bible, didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know who Jesus was. I was ignorant of a lot of things. But I thought, surely I'm a pretty good guy. And when God puts all my works on that big scale in heaven, my good works on one side and the bad works on the other, that the good would outweigh the bad and God would let me into heaven. But you don't find that anywhere in the Bible. God's not going to put them on a scale. For all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and what we deserve is hell. Revelation 21.8, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and idolaters and sorcerers and all liars shall have their part which burneth in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's what we deserve. So Jesus, because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance he paid our sin debt 
for us. In Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid our iniquities upon him. Thank God he took our place. 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ paid my sin debt at Calvary, and he paid your sin debt at Calvary. He paid the full price, and the Bible says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I couldn't take care of even one of my sin, but Christ bore them all at Calvary. That's reality. As a sinner, lost, undone, on my way to hell, and deservedly so. And when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, he paid what I owed. He paid my death at Calvary. You see, he's the one person that's walked on this planet who did not deserve to die because he had no sin. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, then, is the only way to heaven. Three days later, he rose up from the dead. The Bible declares, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the Bible says things like that several places. For instance, in John 3, 18, Jesus is speaking. He said, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, Christ is the only way. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. What a tremendous truth. You see, and here's a reality too. Just reason with me for a minute. You don't know when you're going to die. Now, I've seen doctors make a lot of predictions about when people were going to die, and they're hardly ever right about that. I remember we had a lady when the first church that I pastored, Battle Creek Baptist Church up in Tennessee, just outside of South Pittsburgh. Uh, she got cancer. They gave her six months to live. She fooled them and lived a year and a half. They're wrong. By the way, we're all going to die. I mean, so, I mean, they've already got part of the battle won. They know we're all going to die. But predicting when that's going to happen, nobody knows. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, Boast not thyself in tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. In Proverbs 29 and verse 1, he says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. That's the reason why in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, he declares, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. The only time that you know you have is now. You don't know what's going to take place this next week. I'll guarantee you there were a lot of people that died this week all over the world that were expecting to still be alive today. You don't know when you're going to die. 
So if you want to go to heaven, just reason with me. Man, get it settled today. Come to Jesus today. The Bible says, as it is appointed unto man, once to die, after this, the judgment. And after death, you see, there's no second chance. You see, well, if I die, you pray for me. Won't do a bit of good. Because you see, when you die, you either go to heaven or hell, then one of the two. There is no second chance. Now is your only opportunity to be saved. And here's the thing. Anybody can have it. Don't care who you are. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As a matter of fact, the very last invitation of the Bible, Revelation twenty-two seventeen, the Bible says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. You can have eternal life today. If you're lost, if you don't have heaven settled today, you can get it settled today. You say, well, I, I just don't know. I, I don't want to be a Baptist. You can go to heaven without being a Baptist. But you can't go to heaven without Jesus. Baptist church didn't die for you. Methodist church didn't die for you. Catholic church didn't die for you. Name any denomination you want to name. They didn't die for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus Christ is the only Savior. And Peter made that very plain. He said, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 37, All the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So I just don't think he'd take me. He said he'd take anybody that'd come to him. You come to him, he'll take you. That's his promise. Whosoever you are. I thank God that in the latter part of November of 1971, I bowed my head at WAOP radio station in Otsego, Michigan. I called on him to save me, and the Bible says he did that very thing. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And think about it for a second. I've, I've had people say to me, well, preacher, I've got a few things I've got to straighten out first. You don't find that in the scripture. What you need to do is get saved first. And it's amazing how God can straighten out an awful lot of things. And how you can go through some things. You may be reaping from some things in your life, but going through that with Jesus is a whole lot better than going through it without him, to be sure. All the excuses that you could come up with to stay lost another week, none of those come from God. They all come from the enemy. The Bible declares this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid unto them which are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. God wants you saved. The devil wants you lost. So who are you going to listen to? Let's reason together today. The devil wants you in hell with him. He wants you in the lake of fire burning for eternity. Now, by the way, in the lake of fire, the devil is not going to be torturing people. 
The lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels for the ultimate punishment for their rebellion against God. And the devil's going to be suffering in hell worse than any man for sure. What's a shame is the people that won't take Jesus Christ as Savior so that they could have eternal life. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. I mean, just think about it for a moment. You stay lost, you live without God. You get saved, you get to live with God. I mean, you stay lost, you have no help in trials. You get saved, never leave us nor forsake us. You stay lost, you've got no one to pray to to help you. You understand? Bible says this, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. See, he gets saved, the Lord God hears and answers prayer. You stay lost, you're dead in sin. You get saved, you're alive in Christ. You stay lost, Satan is your father. Wait a second, I thought all people were children of God. Now that's a lie, that came from the devil, that didn't come from God. Jesus said of the Jewish religious leaders in his day, you're of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not the truth for there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. The reason Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God because your first birth doesn't take you to heaven. You need the second birth in order to go to heaven when you die. So you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll save you. He'll give you eternal life. He'll give you new life and heaven. You stay lost and all you've got to look forward to is sin and death. But you get saved. It's life and peace. I remember having a man when I pastored in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He said to me, but preacher, I like my booze. I like my booze. Really? What'd that ever do for you? Cirrhosis of the liver. Broken homes, hurt children, and nothing but more bills and sadness. Sin looks good on the TV, but they don't show you the broken homes. They don't show you the cars wrapped around a tree, the crying children. They don't show you the bloodied accident victims. Man, do you realize the thousands of people that are killed every year on just this nation's highways that resulted because somebody was drinking alcohol? There is no good thing about it, man. They may smile on your TV while they're all partying. Seems like everybody's having a good time. And yet the death and destruction and the ruined homes that they have caused. I'm sorry. You want to see a group of people that are only in it for the money? That's a group that's only in it for the money. And their best customers, they destroy. That's reality. Come now, let us reason together. You know, if I was to offer a million dollars to the first 10 people that would touch my hand, say that'd be $10 million. If you didn't know me, you might give it a shot and come running up here first. But you all know I don't even have $1 million, yet alone 10. But if I could promise, if somehow Elon Musk or somebody had dropped in my lap $10 million and they said, give it away. I said, okay, the first 10 that come up and touch my hand, I would probably die in the stampede. I know Todd would be knocking people over to get here. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be in front of him. There you go. But hey, you realize that if that could happen, if that could happen where I'd have 10 million just give away to the first 10 people that come forward and you 
you got here. You touched my hand, but you died in the crush. That, ten, that million didn't do you a bit of good. See, it can only help you at all if you live to be able to spend it. And you've got no guarantee of that. There are a lot of lottery winners that have found that getting all the money that they got only destroyed their lives. No, money's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. I wonder if we, all, if we gave, I'm talking about Madison Baptist Church, $50,000 to everyone that came to the evening service today and got here on time. There's some of you still wouldn't get anything. I guarantee, listen, I guarantee you, Brother Reasoner, there would be some people that walk in the door, hey, I got an excuse, is it okay? No, you got to be here on time to get to 50000 Now, for the record, especially you on the internet that are listening right now, we're not doing that. But I do believe if we were doing that, we'd be jam-packed at 6 o'clock this evening for just a little bit of money. That wouldn't change your destiny for eternity at all. Now, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. If you're lost, knowing what the Bible says about your lost condition, that you're a sinner that you're going to die. If you died right now, you'd go straight to hell and you would burn there throughout eternity with no escape. That God doesn't want that for you. He put his son on the cross of Calvary because he wants you to go to heaven. But he does not make you go to heaven. I know it seems like I stress that a lot, but number one, I'm not a Calvinist. Number two, everybody needs to understand God doesn't make you get saved. If you want to be a drunkard, you can be a drunkard. You want to be a dope addict? You can be it. That's what you choose for yourself. That's what you can be. You want to die and go to hell? You can die and go to hell. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You get to make the choice. Jesus told the Jews, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. They saw that he was the one who could give eternal life. Remember Nicodemus, who was part of the Sanhedrin? When he met Jesus in John chapter 3, he made an amazing confession. He said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. The Sanhedrin hated Jesus. And even though they wouldn't say it publicly, they said it in their own meetings. We know he's from God. And yet, they wouldn't accept him and died without him. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. If you've never been born again, friend, Jesus offers you eternal life. You leave here without it, you get what you get. You get to die lost and burn in hell. I said I wanted to reason with you about two things. First of all, to the lost about getting saved. But let's reason together for a moment about living for Christ. 
I'm amazed. Since I, w- I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, I, I-, I didn't go to church all my life. We didn't go to church. Till I got saved, I, I didn't know who Jesus was. I, did, I, I knew that there was a man named Jesus. I knew that he was uh, killed on a cross. I, I didn't know he was dying on purpose for my sin. I didn't know that he rose three days later from the dead. I was ignorant as could be. Of course, I was a Yankee. I was from Michigan. We all understand that. But when he saved me, when I came to the place where I recognized that I was a sinner and on my way to hell, and I took Christ as my Savior, he forgave my sin and gave me eternal life. It didn't take me long to realize that, hey, he's one to live for. He's one to make my life count for. It's amazing how many selfish Christians I have met over the decades. Been over 50 years now since I got saved. Selfish Christians will say stuff like this. Well, it's my life. I'll do with it as I will. Yeah, you're right. He's not going to make you live for him. He wants people who want to live for him on purpose. It's what he wants. So he says, for your, he says, you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. There's a reason to live for him. He purchased you. He shed his blood for you and Calvary's cross. All that was for you. He bought you. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just reasonable to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another reason, by the way, to live for Christ. You're going to stand before him one day and give an account. Now, if you're saved, you're going to heaven, sure, but you really want to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, having spent your life on yourself and not on him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to give an account for the things done in this body, whether they be good or bad. I tell you, I would like to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let me give you something else. You reap what you sow. Bible says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. You know, many Christians get very discouraged because things are so bad when all they're doing is simply reaping. They keep living for themselves and they reap. You see, it's a proven fact physically that whatever you sow, that is also what you reap. If you plant corn in a field, don't expect soybeans to come up. It'll be corn. Now, since we reap what we sow, and now we're not talking about the physical, but the spiritual, you would think we'd want to reap right. And by the way, nobody gets to beat this. You take a look at David. David was a man after God's own heart. But we find David getting very careless in his spiritual life. And at a time when kings went forth to battle, he stayed in the palace. And then he saw Bathsheba. He wanted her. He took her. Ended up having her husband murdered. Now, did that cost him? Well, it cost him a lot because it caused the enemies of God to blaspheme. But it also meant that he'd have a son that would grow up to rape one of David's daughters. To defile her. 
And then the other son of David, Absalom, putting Amnon to death. All David was doing is reaping now. And it got worse because then that son that killed the other son then ended up running his own father off the throne of Israel. And when he led an army against David's forces, we find that David's own general killed Absalom as he hung from a tree, got his head caught in a tree. And we find that son dead. And we find David with his head in his hands crying, Oh, Absalom, my son, my son, would to God I died for thee. And as you know, every time I read that, I think, David, you didn't have to die for that boy. All you had to do was keep Bathsheba out of your bedroom and that boy would still be alive. Do you understand the things that you do? You're going to reap. So, so right. So right. Make your life count for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not going to make you live for him, but you would think you'd want to. You young people, you're, I, one day you, most of you hope to be married and have a good life as a husband or a wife, family person. You're looking forward to that. Well, so right. You can't live like the world and end up with a good Christian home. I mean, you start, you live loose like most of the world does today. You're going to reap from that. And you'll only have one person to blame. You'll try to get mad at God later on. But it won't be God's fault. It'll be your fault because you sowed the wrong things in your relationship. Not only that, you give God's enemies cause to blaspheme God if you don't live for him. That's what happened in David's life. Do you realize, especially for all of you, all of you young adults, teenagers that are brought up in Christian homes. Do you understand that the lost world out there expects you to be different than them? There was a lot I didn't understand, didn't know about God, didn't know about real Christianity and all that growing up. But one thing that I knew that Christians were supposed to live better than what I lived. They're supposed to. They ought to have a better testimony. I, I, I wouldn't expect, when I was lost, if you'd have showed me a person that was a drunkard, st- you know, stammering and stuttering, cussing, all that, uh, I never would have thought they were a Christian. Never would have thought it. Because, you see, we expected Christians to live to a better standard. That didn't necessarily make them better people, but if they really belong to the Lord, they ought to act like it. You know, I understand Goliath cursing Israel's God. I don't understand a Christian cursing Israel's God. That doesn't make a bit of sense. You see, the truth is, the lost world is expecting us to be different. And when you're not what you ought to be, what happens is you keep other people from seeing their need for Jesus Christ. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Isn't it just reasonable that if you are a born-again believer, that your life be different from the lost? Let's reason together. If you're lost, man, come get saved today. It's free. It's free. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
to him. Receive that free gift of eternal life. And for the saved, let's reason together. Let's do right. Let's live for him. Let's make our lives count for the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Dear God, may we clearly think today. May we clearly think. Any here that are without Christ. Lord, I don't know how to make it any plainer. I can't make them trust you and you won't make them trust you. If they want to go to heaven, now is the only opportunity that they know that they have to do it. So, Father, I pray they'd come to Jesus this morning. You've promised in your word that if they'll come to you, you said, but as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. They'd come and receive Christ today. You'd give them what they need to be a child of God. Lord, please deal with hearts today. For those that are saved, may they allow the Spirit of God to search their hearts, to show them areas of their life that are not right with you. And God, may they come and get right with you. May they just do what's reasonable today as we seek to reason together. Have your way in every life, for we ask it in Jesus' name.